2 Timothy chapter 2. I have two main goals here today as I preach to you. One is not to embarrass Lydia. And two is I want to encourage you to be a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 3 through 5 to begin with. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned, except he strive lawfully. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege of standing before these people today and delivering your word and the message that I truly believe that you have laid upon my heart for this, this hour. So Lord, I pray that you would help me to communicate clearly the truth of Scripture to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ and magnify Him alone. And Lord, I pray that everyone in this room would leave today encouraged and and determined to be a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know... We are involved in a spiritual war. This language is used all throughout uh, the Scripture, New Testament especially. It's a battle, a battle for the souls of men, a battle for the glory of God. And I, for one, am encouraged as I stand here before you because I'm looking at a room full of people who have surrendered their lives to serve God. You've been called of God to full-time active duty, if you will. And today I want to preach to you with the respect that you deserve. I am not preaching down to you today. I am preaching to you as one soldier to another soldier. The Lord has just recently really been impressing upon me that that you are not our future leaders. You are leaders now. You are already in the fight And so today, the message that the Lord has laid on my heart is is not one to just kind of tuck away and maybe use down the road. It's something that I believe we need right now if we're going to be good soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was very well acquainted with the hardships and the struggles of fighting in the spiritual war. You know, when you think about the Apostle Paul, few people have ever accomplished as much as he did. But few people have suffered as much as he did as well. This book of 2 Timothy was the very last epistle that Paul wrote. And as he gave these final words to Timothy, his son in the faith, his successor in the faith as well, he includes these instructions on how to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I believe these instructions are important because not everyone who's enlisted in the Lord's army is a good soldier. Even among those who are surrendered and who train for full-time ministry, a staggering number fail to follow through and to fully obey God. You know, statistically, there are quite a few people in this room who 10 years from now will not be serving God in any capacity. 
Excuse me. Brother John and I were in school for a lot of the same time. He and I both know a lot of the same people who were in school with us and today are not serving the Lord in any capacity. Since our time, before our time, there's been others. And it's always been something that to me is a, is a heartache to hear about a, a, a fellow soldier who's no longer in the fight. But I'm here to tell you that does not have to be you today. You can be a good soldier of Jesus Christ so that you can say with the Apostle Paul when you get to the end of your life, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And here are the characteristics of a good soldier that we're going to note from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Number one, a good soldier fights with endurance. A good soldier fights with endurance. Verse 3, Paul said, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, no matter how you look at it, war is tough. It's tough. It requires physical toughness. It requires mental toughness. And the spiritual battle that we are engaged in adds a whole nother level because it requires spiritual toughness. Now notice there's an assumption in this verse that we are going to experience hardship or hardness as the verse says. We are going to experience hardships in the spiritual battle. So if we're going to be a good soldier, then we must learn to endure those hardships. Endurance, let me just put it very simply, is the ability to keep going. Without endurance, we will faint and we will quit. Endurance is something that can be and should be developed. We think about our soldiers in the armed forces. They go through intense training to build them up physically and mentally to give them the toughness that they need for the fight. Think especially of the special forces when they go through that extra level of intense training, um, like, uh, for instance, the SEAL team training. Uh, Part of that process is to so uh, break them down physically and emotionally in every way so that that the only thing that keeps them going is their mental toughness and their determination. Because that is essential to being a good soldier. And if you're going to be a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you have to develop your spiritual endurance as well. Let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 12 for a moment. And I want to show to you from Scriptures what is the key to spiritual endurance. It's one thing to say you've got to learn to not quit. Well, how? How do we learn to not quit? How do we learn to keep going? How do we develop this spiritual endurance? Hebrews chapter 12 Verses I'm sure you're familiar with, but look with me at verse number 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. This is a passage that's all about endurance. It tells us to look to Jesus who endured the cross and who endured the contradiction of sinners against himself. And we are to consider him so that we do not become wearied and faint in our minds. But I want to draw your attention to the last phrase of verse number 1 because it describes how we are to run the race of life. It's a similar illustration of fighting in the fight. We are to run with, what's that next word? Patience. Patience. One of the things I struggled with and still do to this day, but especially when I was in high school and in college, is patience. When I was in high school, I wanted to be done with high school so I could get to college. When I got to college, I wanted to be done with college so I could get on with my life. In fact, when I was in high school, I begged my parents to, to let me uh, do uh, some homeschooling along with my uh, regular schooling at the Christian school so I could graduate early. They very wisely said, no, you need to wait. But I, I, was, just, I was just ready to get out and be doing something. And so a lot of times I was impatient. The problem with being impatient and fighting the fight or in running a race is that without patience, you go too fast, too soon, and you exhaust yourself before you reach the finish line. How many of you in here, you are a recreational runner? As in, you run for fun and for exercise. Okay? Y'all are weird. (laughs) But we love you anyway. All right, anybody who's done any kind of uh, serious running, you understand the importance of pacing yourself, right? A person who's not trained well and who's not uh, learned how to compete in in running, a lot of times what they'll do, they'll get in their very first race, and as soon as it starts, they just sprint right out of the gate. They're going as hard as they can, as fast as they can, as quick as they can, and sure enough, before too long, they're exhausted, and they, they don't have any more gas in the tank, as it were, and long before they reach the finish line, they can no longer run effectively. Can I say to you the same thing is true spiritually? We have to learn to pace ourselves. We have to learn to run with patience if we are going to endure hardness. Without patience, you have no endurance. Now, what is, how does this apply uh, to, to ministry in particular. Well, I, I think of Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 9. It says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I know that, that many of you, hopefully all of you, are full of zeal and wanting to get out there and do something for God. Don't lose that desire. But may I just simply caution you that in your zeal, you cannot run ahead of God. Because if you run ahead of God, you will lose endurance. You will get frustrated. You will faint. See, Isaiah 40, 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They that wait on the Lord. Sometimes it's tempting when you're in the middle of 
of college to think, you know what, I, do I really need to stay all four years? I know that's what I signed up for, but do I really need to do that? I could, I could cut this back a little bit and I could get out there sooner and, and we justify it by thinking, you know, if, if, uh, if I'm out there sooner, I can be, I can be involved in the, the work of the ministry uh, quicker and I could be doing more for God. Let me say, you need to be careful. You need to be patient. Now, I'm, I'm not here to dictate to you God's timeline. I can't do that. But I am here to tell you and to warn you Wait on the Lord. There's going to be times where things are not going as fast as you want them to. Whether it's in your education, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's in a ministry, things are not moving at the pace that you want them to move. And you're going to be tempted to try and hurry it up. And if you do, you're just setting yourself up for failure. That verse, Galatians 6, 9, says that we'll reap in due season. Who determines what our due season for reaping is? God does. He determines the due season. We need to learn to just patiently wait on the Lord who determines the seasons of our life and who determines the purpose for every season. Throughout our life, we're going to have to be frequently reminded to wait on the Lord or we will faint. If you would fight with endurance, then you must patiently wait on the Lord. A good soldier fights with endurance. Number two, back in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 4 says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a good soldier. If you're going to be a good soldier, secondly, you must fight without entanglement without entanglement. You know, we expect our armed forces to be focused on their job of protecting our country. When they are fighting, we expect them to give it their full attention. They can't be splitting their time between engaging an enemy and, say, running a business back home. Can you imagine a soldier that's overseas in the middle of a firefight and all of a sudden he stops to take a phone call about a real estate deal he was working on? Say, that is not a good soldier. What verse number 4 is telling us is we need to apply that same mentality to the work that God has called us to do, to the spiritual fight that we are in. Because no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. In this context, the affairs of this life are simply... Uh, um, it's simply business that we uh, engage in here on earth that really has no eternal value. Some of this business is necessary, and we have to be involved in it. But what we must be careful of is that we do not allow it to entangle us, to tangle us up, to hinder us from fighting as a good soldier. We have to keep our focus on eternal things. Turn to Luke chapter 8 with me. Luke chapter 8. I'm sure you're familiar with the parable of the seed and the soil. It's recorded in three of the Gospels. Jesus spoke of the seed that fell on the different kinds of ground. And there was one kind of soil, the thorny ground. And the seed that fell on the thorny ground, it sprang up, but with it 
sprang up the thorns and the weeds, and they choked it so that that plant never bore fruit. Jesus interpreted and applied this parable for us. And notice what He said in Luke 8 verse 14 about this seed which fell on the thorny ground. And they which fell among the thorns are they which when they've heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. I think this is the same kind of truth that Paul was talking about, about us being entangled with the affairs of this life. The thorns, the weeds entangled the plant so that it couldn't bring forth fruit. And Jesus gave us three kinds of weeds that will choke us out from bringing forth spiritual fruit. Three things that will entangle us and keep us from being a good soldier. Notice what he said. He said they're choked with cares. What are cares? They're just worries and concerns. Listen, there's no shortage of things that you could be worried about today. There's probably a lot that some of you are worrying about today. You're concerned, and and that's because life is full of problems. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you otherwise. (laughs) Life is going to be filled with things that you could worry about. But instead of being choked by worries and concerns and instead of dwelling on the problems which only leads to anxiety and keeps you from being a good soldier and a fruitful Christian, you have to keep an eternal focus. And the way that you keep an eternal focus is to take those problems to the Lord. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving Let your request be made known unto God. Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. You know that life is full of problems. What you need to do is determine now that you're going to deal with those problems biblically. Not deal with them yourself, not try to solve all the problems yourself, not through your your own manipulation of circumstances, but... Give those problems to the Lord. Don't get tangled up in your problems. Then notice Jesus says in in verse 14, they're choked with riches. Money is a necessary evil. It's kind of handy to have, isn't it? I don't need to tell you that. You've got school bills to pay. And a challenge that most of you, if not all of you, will face throughout your life and in ministry... It's simply how to make ends meet financially. There are going to be times where you, many of you, will have to work a secular job to pay the bills even as you work in ministry. You know, statistically, it's very likely that you're going to have to do that. Your family is going to have to be bivocational. There's a danger in that, that you can become so consumed with making money, that you get distracted and entangled. The Apostle Paul went through a time where he had to work in a secular employment. He made tents for about a year and a half while he ministered and planted a church in Corinth. There's nothing wrong with having to do that. But you must be careful. The Lord allowed 
my family and I to serve at uh, Gospel Light Baptist Church in Newton, North Carolina, about 45 minutes from here, uh, for about seven years before we moved down to Georgia. About half of that time, I worked full-time at a cabinet shop in Charlotte, North Carolina. That wasn't originally the plan, but that's, that's the way things ended up. I started out full-time there, but uh, at a, there came a point where I needed to do that. And it was not because our family wanted to live a life of luxury. It was because that was what was necessary in order to stay in the ministry at the time. But on the other hand, I and, and many others in here could tell story after story about people in the ministry who were having a hard time financially. And so they, they began to seek secular employment. Nothing wrong with that necessarily. But they became entangled with it. Entangled with the pursuit of riches. And pretty soon making money was more important than ministry. You have to be careful that you don't get tangled up in their pursuit of money. I think about a common instance in, in, in Bible college is, you know, you've got those school bills coming up. Maybe, maybe I need to set out a year in order to save up some more money for college. Maybe you do. But be careful. Be careful that you are sure that that's what God wants you to do before you make a big decision like that. Because, you know, a lot of times college students will set out a year to make enough money and you never see them again. Because they kind of like making money. Who doesn't? Again, I'm not here to dictate what God's will for you is or is not if it's not expressly stated in the Word of God. I'm just here to warn you there's a danger. Keep your focus on eternal things instead by trusting that God will provide for you. In Matthew 6, Jesus said, Look at the flowers. Look at the birds. God feeds the birds. He clothes the flowers. And if God takes care of them, will He not also take care of us? Because we're so much more important to Him. But then in Matthew 6, verse 33, we find the application of that truth. When Jesus said, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I know that you, some of you are right now worrying about finances. I know that every one of you at some point will worry about finances. But can I just encourage you, keep your focus on serving God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Don't become entangled with riches. And then lastly, from what Jesus said in Luke 8, 14 there, the third weed that chokes the the plant are the pleasures of this life. Many, many Christians have quit the fight because they'd rather have fun. I mean, is that not just our flesh, right? If I were to ask you, hey, do you want to go, um, you know, work 12 hours in the hot sun, getting sweaty and dirty? Or do you want to sit around, eat snacks, and watch movies? I mean, what are we going to pick, right? We would rather have fun than work hard and be involved in the fight. And there are a lot of Christians who will not get involved in the fight because they're too busy having fun. It's the pleasures of this life. 
And even people in positions of leadership and ministry get tangled up in hobbies and entertainment and recreation and no longer are fighting like a good soldier because they're too busy seeking pleasure. And there is so much entertainment available to us today, it's hard not to get distracted by it all. You ever wonder how that 150 years ago, preachers were able to write so much and prepare so much and, and, and express themselves so eloquently and intelligently when they had absolutely none of the technological tools that we have today? They didn't have their computers. They didn't have uh, eSword. They didn't have uh, Bible works. They didn't have any of this stuff. They didn't have Logos. They didn't have any of it. How in the world did they do all of that? Well, here's why. They didn't have all of that stuff to distract them. Because with the tools has come an abundant amount of, of, of distractions. And I know that most of us carry one in our pocket with us all the time now. I, I still remember, Brother Spencer, one time you made a joke when I was in school uh, about the possibility of doing Greek exegesis on your phone one day. We, we, we thought, oh, that would be funny. Well, yeah, we, that's what we do now, right? There are tools that are helpful if used correctly, but too often they're nothing more than a distraction. It's a way for us to seek pleasure instead of focusing on the fight. Now, there's nothing wrong with rest and recreation. We need that on a regular basis. Don't get me wrong. Honestly, some of you just need to take a nap this afternoon, all right? You're getting a little crabby, all right? (laughs) We need rest and recreation, but we cannot allow ourselves to be entangled with pleasures. Instead, we must keep an eternal focus by delighting ourselves in the Lord. You probably know Psalm 37, 4, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of your heart. What does it mean to delight yourself in the Lord? It means to make God your favorite. To find pleasure and happiness in the Lord and in the things of God. You know what? That's going to take some training. It is. It's a lot easier to scroll Facebook than it is to sit down and read your Bible. It's a lot easier to get sucked down the YouTube black hole. Following the next suggested video, etc., 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 than it is to... Pick up a good book that's going to encourage you spiritually. And I'm not saying that Facebook is sinful, though that could be a conversation we need to have. What I am saying to you is you need to train yourself to find pleasure in the Lord and not indulge your flesh. A good soldier avoids entanglement with things that would distract him from the fight. Paul says that if we're going to please the one who has called us to be a soldier, if we're going to please our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, then we must not allow ourselves to be entangled with the affairs of this life. And now from our text, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 5. It says that if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. Number three, a good soldier fights with integrity. 
A good soldier fights with integrity. How many of you were homeschooled? Raise your hand. Okay. Integrity starts with an I. I know you thought it started with an E, but it doesn't. It's phonetic alliteration here. How many of you went to public school? You're fine. I don't need to tell you. How many of you were Christian school like me? Okay, just draw a picture or something. Whatever. <laughs> Do the best you can. A good soldier fights with integrity. Now, in verse number 5, Paul changes the illustration here. He's gone from talking about a soldier in the fight to talking about an athlete in a race or in a competition. But it's the same principle applying here. He says, If a man strives for masteries, yet he's not crowned or rewarded, except he strive lawfully. If you're going to play the game, you have to play by the rules. Did you know that God has rules of engagement for His soldiers? He expects us not only to fight the good fight, but He expects us to fight the way that He tells us to. He expects us to strive lawfully. He's given us everything that He expects of us in writing in the Word of God. And if we're going to be a good soldier, then we have to follow those rules of engagement. We have to fight with integrity. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. and Here Paul uses this same imagery again. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may attain. Every man that striveth for the mastery, there's that similar expression, is temperate in all things. The word temperate means self-controlled. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached the word, preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Fight with integrity. And here's the key to fighting with integrity. It's self-control. Self-control. Paul says in verse 27, I keep my body, I bring it under subjection. He's talking about keeping the urges and the desires of his sinful flesh in check. Not allowing them to dictate his decisions, but instead doing what is right, following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And his great fear was that after he had preached to others, he would be a castaway. That he would do something that would so damage his, his testimony and his reputation that God could no longer use him as he once did. That was Paul's great fear. I don't need to tell you that the landscape of the spiritual battlefield is littered with shattered testimonies of men and women in ministry who did not maintain self-control. They gave in to their carnal desires and now they are castaways. 
You probably know some yourself, maybe friends of yours who had started out on, on the right track and they were, they, were, they were doing things like they were supposed to do them, but they got caught up in some kind of sin, some kind of uh, uh, immorality perhaps, or, or, or something that they knew better, but they did not control the desires of their flesh. They gave in. And as a result, their testimony is shot and shattered. Can I tell you that the devil is always going to be tempting you to trade long-term success for short-term happiness? He's always going to offer you something pleasurable right now. But in order to take it, you're going to have to give up long-term success and permanent lasting joy. That was a big part of the temptation in the garden. As he implied to Eve that God was withholding something good for her from her, that if she would just eat that fruit, she would enjoy it. And he minimized and contradicted the consequences. I think of Moses. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 that when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. There are pleasures in sin. If there weren't, we wouldn't sin. But those pleasures are for a season. They're brief. They are short-lived. And in order to enjoy them, you have to trade permanent success and lasting joy. Determine now that you are going to follow God's rules. Joseph in the Old Testament was a man of integrity. Even in spite of his horrible circumstances, he chose to honor the Lord. When Potiphar's wife tempted him over and over and over again, he said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He was a man of integrity. Daniel was a young man of integrity. He purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat. And you know what those two men have in common? Is that they made up their minds when they were young. I'm going to follow God's rules. If you have not made that determination yet, you need to. And I understand you're, in, you're still in training and education and you're still uh, uh, learning a lot. Sometimes when you're going through Bible college, it, it's that old proverbial saying, drinking from a fire hydrant. I mean, you're just all kinds of information overload. And so in some sense, it's to be expected that you are figuring out exactly what you believe. Hopefully you've already determined that you believe whatever is in this book. And now you're just figuring out what that is. But here's a danger that I have personally seen. Is people who come through Bible college always questioning everything. Never coming to the point where they solidify and say, this is what I believe. Paul talks about that in, here in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Those who are ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You should always be learning. Always be learning. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto, unto God. But you have to come to the knowledge of the truth. 
If your education is creating more doubt, then you've got the wrong kind of education. And you need to figure out now what it is you believe, and you need to follow God's rules. Fight with integrity. Have integrity in your personal life. Do what is right, no matter what, no matter who's watching. And that means you're going to need to set some standards and some boundaries for yourself. Listen, I know most of you probably have a smartphone. If you don't have some kind of, of, uh, of controls on that, whether it's a filtering app or whether you're using the built-in stuff, uh, like parental controls, if there is nothing on there that's protecting that, you are asking for trouble for yourself. Look, I'm twice most of your age. And my wife has set the parental controls code on my phone to lock it down. Brother Bill, I've got tried to go to Ambassador's website before, and Safari won't let me on it. I have to go to my wife and say, can you put the code in so I can look at when Rekindle is next year, you know? Really? Yes, really. That's a true story. I'm not making that up. You need to set some standards for yourself if you're going to fight with integrity. Have integrity in your marriage. One day, Lord willing, you're going to be married. Guard it. Guard your moral purity. Set boundaries. Submit to accountability. Have integrity in your ministry. Even now. And as you move forward and God gives you more and more opportunity, determine you're going to have integrity. Determine that you're going to follow God's way. You're not going to follow trends. You're not going to follow the influencers. You're going to follow God's Word. Fight with integrity. Let's turn to one more passage as we close. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Second Timothy chapter 4. Look at verse 5. He says, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of, the, of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered. You know what he's doing here? He's passing the baton. He's handing it off to Timothy. I'm ready to be offered. My time's almost up, Timothy. It's time for you. You've been running, you've been fighting, but now you're going to have to do it without me. And the time of my departure is at hand. Notice verse 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I don't know about you, but I I really want to get to the end of my life and be able to say what Paul said in verse 7. Not because of any great thing that I've done, but by the grace of God, I don't want to let him down. I want to be a good soldier. Paul had no regrets. And listen to me, you don't get a second chance at life. Determine now you're going to be a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll close with this. We talked about Joseph and Daniel and Timothy and Paul and all of these men I believe are examples of good soldiers. But there is no greater example than the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. 
He fought with endurance. He endured the cross. He fought without entanglement. He did not allow the affairs of this life to stop him and distract him. And he fought with ultimate integrity. In him is no sin. Let me say to you, if you're going to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ, then you too must fight with endurance, without entanglement, and with integrity. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for the example of Your Son. We thank You for the instructions of Your Word. And Lord, my prayer is that everyone here today will determine to be a good soldier for Your honor and glory. So Lord, I pray that You would deal in the hearts of Your people during this time of invitation. And I ask it in Jesus' name.